Broncos, and we're back. So, um, <clears throat> I got the keys to drive tonight. <laughs> Again, <laughs> after I crashed and burned terribly. Well, you know Sunday what? Night. We may have spun some tire. We did. But we did. we're putting power to the ground now. Yeah. And we got audio. Video? <laughs> we have our guest on? This look, is... Look, That's That's Don knocking, knocking on, on wood. wood. Right, right. <laughs> so, so <laughs> I guess, should we clue everybody on where our fearless leader is? Yeah. Well, if you haven't been following us out on the Facebooks and the YouTubes and everything else. Which is like else, near impossible because he's put a video up like every 13 seconds. Yeah, I know. Or he's, shared something from another yeah, company he's, he's, being he, out at the big old SEMAs. How about it? Las Vegas, Nevada. I know. Now he's been out there. He did a trail cleanup already, I think. Yeah. And he did, uh, there was some wheeling he, he was out while they were doing a trail cleanup. Yeah. And First off, he drove out there. Oh yeah, well that was that was his <laughs> his trail to SEMA with Maddie Conkle. Yeah, and he documented everything. Like they got their very own website. I know. It's crazy. It's awesome. Yeah. So and they had some uh, wasn't smooth sailing on the way out no, either. They, they had some vehicle problems and yeah, got they straightened had a out. Valve stem issue. Yeah. Um, we actually plugged one of the tires right before it left. So there was all kinds of things that were nice. You know. Took the spare off, hit it in the back room. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so. so yeah, he's living a life right now. He's he's. Uh, I mean, for anyone who has never been to SEMA, you know the crowds are tough, and I'm not a huge Vegas person, but the show itself, like you come rolling in on the monorail, and your jaw hits the floor. Yeah. Right out in the front, and, and I'm a motorhead, so mm-hmm. it is what it is. Right out in the front is the Hoonigan Burnyard, and oh they're just gosh. roasting tires. I, I mean, it's like. The sound, the the to see them doing that, and then right next to it, Ford has their setup where they're jumping Raptors and drifting Mustangs. And so Ford isn't there this year, aren't they? No, actually, Ford is not there this year, but they still have the uh, Hoonigan Burnyard, and it's being put uh, put on by Optimum Batteries. Wow, I wonder if Continental, because Continental had a whole drift thing, like a drift experience you yeah. could do. They were doing them BMW M5s, I think. And you would jump in a car with a driver, and they would take yeah. you around drifting. I'm not sure what they have out this year, but I definitely know we'll be talking to Terry, I think, this coming Sunday. Sunday we are, right? Yep. Yeah. That's, I'm stoked yeah. to hear what he's got to say. So, yeah, Absolutely. Unless we have technical difficulties again. I don't know. We'll Hopefully not. Right, right. Also on Sunday, we're going to be having Mike from Apex Off-Road, and he's going to be talking about the Wheel to Heel event coming up next weekend. Um, so we're pretty excited for that as well. I can't wait for that. I really can't. So I'm stoked. Um, what now? Explain wheel to heel, though. What is? I know we talked about this before, but but. So wheel to heel is an off road event out at AOAA that is designed to raise money for Mission Twenty Two, um, and um, the uh, suicide awareness for. Right. I'm fairly positive it's Mission 22, but that's why we're going to talk to Mike. So he's going to tell us all about the event and right, right. you know all the great causes. AOA is a new. That's this is a new new. Venue no, they were there them. last year. Oh, was it? Yep. Okay. All yeah. right. So let's. Well, it'll be a good one. You're you're going to be running tail gunner. Yep. For the black red group, and we're going to be getting a whole bunch of content out on the trail. And I'm going to be there to egg you on to make sure we get all the content we need. Exactly, and you're going to be holding the camera. Absolutely. All right. All right. Well. <laughs> 
Anyway, guys, we've made you wait long enough, so let's get uh, Ron on from Ridgeback Guide Service, and I'm going to do my best at this. Well, Ron, welcome to the Jeep Life Podcast, and, you know, we've been trying to get you on for a little bit of time here, so let's start off with um, kind of a little bit of your background and... What kind? What got you into overlanding in general? Well, thanks for having me on, guys. I do appreciate it. Yeah, we've been trying to get on for a little bit here, but with my schedule uh, out guiding and and running trips, uh, it's been a little bit tight. But uh, I'm happy to be here. And uh, I got into overlanding because I like to camp with my off-roading. And in the Northeast, um, the trails that we have. You, I mean, you're going through town to town to town. It's not like going to Roush Creek or AOA where you're in the park for the day and then come out and you're in the exact same spot. Right. So I can literally travel in the Northeast, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 miles a day on, on and off in back roads and stuff and then find some place to camp out. So uh, I really do enjoy that. And that's how I started getting into it. Awesome. Yeah, I, I was... <laughs> I wanted to open up, and I'm I'm struggling a little bit to to get you up in here, but we'll get there, Ron. But you know, it, it's funny because um, years ago I was into overlanding. Yeah, I guess switch that. Years ago I was into overlanding, and uh, there we go. <laughs> and I had some bad experiences. So I I love the state of Vermont. It is my favorite, and, and I've been you know not as an adult, but in my life I've been to nearly every state with the exception of Hawaii and Alaska. Um, Vermont is just by far, I love the people, I love the land, I love, you know, everything about it, um, especially Northeast Kingdom. But I had used the guide service, and it was a flop. For one, there was no guide. Basically, I paid, and I got a set of directions on to use their, what they call, um, it's their, their um, it's not Category 4, what do they Ron, what do they call them? They're class four in Vermont. Class four. And so it was basically a trip from southern Vermont up to the northern kingdom using mostly class four roads. Um, but I, I ran into some issues along the way, and I'd actually used this service a couple times before. But, I mean, what, Ron, how do you avoid that? Um, well, it's hire a good guide. <laughs> yeah, there you um, <laughs> go. Which is you. What do you do different from everybody else? Um, I have an extensive network of relationships with landowners, property managers, and town highway managers. Uh, the town highway managers um, basically have control over every road in the town. They know where the class fours are, which ones are unmaintained. Right. Um, they usually don't know the condition of them because they're not usually out on them. Um but they'd tell me which ones are opens, which ones are closed, which ones are in contention. Um, when I say in contention, a lot of these properties go through private property. Right. And some of the property owners don't want you going through there, even though you have a legal right to. Right. So if there's a contentious spot, I usually present myself to the, to the property owner, talk to them, tell them why we're using them, tell them the legality of the roads, and uh, usually form a pretty good relationship. So I don't have issues while I'm going through their property, which is basically on both sides of the road. Right. And that was the issue that I had. I actually had a property owner. I mean, that was one of the biggest one. And, and they, it was a farm. It was a dairy farm and maple 
syrup farm and they had a huge issue with with us being there and driving through. I mean, that was just one of many. We had roads that were not open, et cetera. Um, but again, you know, we didn't have anybody. We were, we were, we were solo at that time. So what's up? We lost sound again. It muted again. All right, there we go. All right, we're back. Um, so yeah, we lost, we, 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 we didn't have access. We, we, couldn't use some of these roads and again we were alone so ultimately that was nice that you know it would be nice that we we had accurate plans what i mean what sets you apart from like these i i know there's there's a lot of people out there offering guide services what sets you apart from those weekend warrior guide services um i'm not sure what they do for their trips but what sets me apart is experience. I've been doing this for a long time. Like I said, I, I've developed a network um, with property owners, town managers, things like that, um, that allows me to get to some places that people don't know about. Um, I do this full time also. And my time, my brand, and uh, showing people what great places there are in New England. Right. Like all the little country stores I know about. I know who has the best uh maple creamies. Uh that's nice. one of our that's one of our favorite things. Um I actually had a mutiny on one of my rides recently where one of my good customers realized we were about a mile and a half away from one of the best creamy stops and he started calling out on the radio until everybody was screaming ice cream on the radio. Ah, so yeah. Ice cream yeah. at quarter of eleven in the morning. Nice. <laughs> Nice. And that I'm sure I'm going to just take a stab at that, but that was Yoshi. I'm sure. It absolutely was. Yep. yep. It absolutely was. <laughs> oh, he's, he's been known for, for, uh, enjoying Vermont ice cream and, and uh, great, great guy. I got to meet him up at mid Atlantic Overland festival, uh, crazy intelligent and, um, just really, really well versed. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's so many cool things and that's, you know, I, I, and I think that's what people don't understand is that, you know, the Northeast has so many cool little hidden gems and you're native, right? Like you've been there your whole life. I have been here my whole life. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, those building those relationships was, was second nature for you. It's funny. Cause if I go up there, I'm a flatlander. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk to me. Yeah. You know, it took me like three or four years of going up there continuously till, you know, somebody actually had started to address me and, and uh, you know, uh, to even find out about places that are on maps. But yeah, that's cool. So I kind of want to bring it back a little bit here. And so we, you said you got into overlanding because you just enjoyed camping while you went off-roading and kind of the nature of all the trails that you live close to. But so I want to take it more towards how did you get into the guide services and you know, that style of, you know, more of leading the group versus, you know, just kind of trying to find these, you know, weekend warrior style right. venues. So I used to do a lot of uh, organized trips for friends and for clubs that I was in. And uh, I really had a good experience in doing that. And there was a guide service previous before me that offered day trips. And when he stopped doing that, everybody was coming to me, Ron, you got to start doing day trips. You know, all the trails, you know, you know, the great places to go. You need to start doing this. 
And after about two years of hearing that and hearing my wife tell me that I needed to have a new occupation because she was tired of uh, me doing construction work and coming home super tired because it's really tough on your body and things like that, I decided it was time for a career change and started Ridgeback Guide Service. Yeah, you can't you can't beat what you're doing now. What you know, backtracking again to to some of the class four roads up there. I mean, what kind of wheeling are we talking about, comparatively speaking, to here? Green trails, black trails. I mean, what 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 are your options when you're out in these class four roads? From absolutely mild to wild, um, we have green trails that are uh, you know stock friendly for stock wranglers, stock Tacoma, right? Stock forerunner. Or we have black trails that are filled with boulders the size of washing machines and big pieces of ledge and things like that. Yeah, nice. You just did a black black guided ride, right? Um, we did two in August. We did yeah. one in New Hampshire for Mainline Overland, which we do uh, guided rides out of their New Hampshire store for them. Um, they take rides from April to December, and they're green to black. Okay. Um, and those are in both uh, New Hampshire and Vermont. I also did a Western Mass Metal Mass black ride this year, which right. was trailed in uh, northern Berkshire County in Massachusetts. Nice. Yeah, I saw pictures of those on Facebook. I mean, that, that, you're right. It's, it, there's some pretty wild stuff up there for sure. Um, now, I mean, you're out with everybody. Um, when you're out, what's your, I mean, what are you doing with everybody? Are you, I'm sure you're educating them while they're out, you know. Um, what do you offer when they're out in that trail? So when we do our trail rides, um, <clears throat> we obviously offer spotting and guiding through any obstacle that anybody's uncomfortable with. Um, we also, as they go through those obstacles and things like that, I always give pointers and show people how to pick lines, things like that. Um, at the driver's meeting, I usually pick the least experienced driver and put them directly behind me or a couple trucks behind me right. or sometimes even behind um, a veteran client that I have that knows how to drive right? so that they can see somebody else picking a line as we're going up through as a group through the yeah. trails to help them start figuring out how to get that to happen and become second nature for them. Right, right. And like um, breakdowns, things like that, I'm sure you're, you're equipped, obviously not with parts that they're going to need for their vehicle, but equipped with knowledge as well as how to, you know, help people get the rigs back off the trail if they break. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We've had some great trail fixes. Um, as a Land Rover owner, um, I've learned <laughs> <laughs> how, how to get trucks off trail. Um, I've been in a lot of competitions and um, just the overland events and trips with right. Land Rover guys. Right. And it's pretty wild because we'll run as a pack because somebody has a bolt, somebody has the knowledge, somebody has something. Right. Whether it's your truck or not, which yeah. many times we've sold parts off other trucks that uh, they're not as important right. to fix different trucks. <laughs> right, so, right. Uh, so owning a Land Rover has really gotten me into the mindset of uh, what, what can we do to make this safe to get it off the trail? And you're absolutely right. I mean, trail fixes are, that that's a whole game changer. It's not like fixing a car in my shop. It's it's a whole different animal. So that, that in itself, you only learn that from time and experience. Yeah, but uh, yeah, absolutely. So speaking of experience, um, Ron, how long have you actually had, I guess, Ridgeback Guide Services, and how long have they been around? 
Um, I started Ridgeback Guide Service and started doing professional trips in 2017. So we've been doing it for five years. We just had our five-year anniversary uh, this past June. Wow. Mm, wow. And then also you yeah. were saying that you have veteran customers. So is it common to have um, you know customers coming back time and time again for you know just increasing their ability or just because they you know kind of you're one of the best services obviously out there well we we do have a lot of repeat clients um depending on the ride some of my funner rides um my veteran clients have been there before really enjoy those rides and they get in on those early um but we usually have a mix of about 50 50 which is great because we have new people and veteran type clients that have been out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our veteran type clients keep coming back because we offer such a fun time and a great product um, that nobody has to worry about. You know, when you go out with me, you don't have to worry about property owners. You don't have to worry about how long the route's going to take. You don't have to worry about where the best stop is for um, to you know to kick back and have some lunch. You'd, you know, I know where all the cool little historic bridges are that we need to stop out. You know, all the places that I pause at, hey, look off to your right. There's a beautiful view, you know, just across the field. Um, I think that's why people keep coming back. Yeah, I know. I, you know, just from talking with you and, and some of your, your veteran clients, I, I know the, and I think the, the big point to Ridgeback Guide Service is the amount of comfortability there is there. You're not worried about getting lost, running out of fuel. Yeah. Um, breaking down, missing something, um, and, and that's, you know, I, th- I think in my opinion, that's where the big difference is between you and, uh, you know, everybody else. Um, I think that's what, you know, really, we, we, I think in the, the Jeep world, we use the term guide a little too loosely. Yes. We really, truly do. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> There's so much more that goes to it than just knowing, you know, uh, a, yeah. a, a park or something like that. I mean, there's a lot of facets to to understand. Um, I mean, Ron, is there like, do you have any certifications that 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 set you apart from other, you know, other weekend warriors or you know services that are out there? Uh, well, we're first aid certified to start with. Right. Um, I also am a registered uh, Maine guide, which Maine is one of the very first states to register any type of guide. So if you want to do any work there whatsoever, they have, I think it's five or six different guide licenses you can get. I have a recreational guide license so that we can run overland trips in the state of Maine. Um, I wish the state of Vermont or the state of New Hampshire had also the same licenses, but they don't. Right. I would have them. and uh, other certifications that I've done is I've taken a lot of classes with uh, Kyle, who's yep. here from uh, Off-Road Consulting. Yep. Um, I've been doing training with him on and off for years as far as recovery and keeping up on that. Right. Now, I, I think that's what I really, truly think that's what sets you apart. I mean, um, the, the fact that you have companies like businesses like Mid-Atlantic Overland Festival coming to you to run guide, you know, run a, a guided tour for them. The fact that you set up their off-road course at their festival—I uh, mean, there—that's a—that's a big business with a mm-hmm. with a, a broad customer base. So, I mean, that that in itself just says it all. But then to have the certification to be an actual guide in Maine, um, you know, and have some of the other stuff like—and again, you can't anybody out there—you can't go wrong with with hitting Kyle 
booked right, her up absolutely. from off-road consulting. In fact, um, he's on our short list that we want to do a day. The Jeep Life Podcast wants to do a day with him where we kind of do some mixed training. Um, but I think that stuff's, you know, uh, just paramount to what you're doing. Um, now, what, I mean, what are some of the other things that you've had going on this, this year? I know you did some stuff with Tread Lightly, too, as well, correct? Um, yes, I'm actually a ambassador for Tread Lightly for the Northeast. Um, they came to me and asked um, me if I would give them a hand on spending some money in the Northeast, getting some projects done. They came to me and I said, hey, we're here. You're the guy with the eyes on the ground in right. the Northeast to, to see a lot of this stuff and uh, to be able to be a liaison for some of the property managers of that. And uh, we've done quite a few projects in the Northeast since they uh, reached out to me last year. So the the Dodders Bridge was one of them. I'm that's that's correct, right? It was called Dodders Dodders Road. Which uh the which one, one is that? the the one that you rebuilt the bridge on. Oh, that was that's yeah, that's in uh, Southern Vermont. Southern Vermont. I really want, yeah, I don't want to give out the name of the trail that it's on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, to, to to be honest, the 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 town asked us not to not to uh, geotag it or let people know where it is. It gets enough traffic as it is. Oh, I'm sure. Gotcha. I'm sure. Um, so, you know, the, the job that's in Southern Vermont that you had, um, you know, you rebuilt an entire bridge that was really not safe for travel. It, it was not safe for travel. It was, um, barely safe enough for mountain bikers to go over if they knew where the big hole was. Right. Um, there was just enough room on one side for them to get over. So we stripped that down and rebuilt that with tread lightly and the Bronco wild fund paid for all the materials. Hmm. Um, we were able to do that with some uh, partners in the Northeast, like uh, Mainline Overland came. We had Go Fox Adventures there. Yep. We had DCS Lighting. We had uh, New England Overland Expeditions there. Everybody pitched in to get the job done. Yeah, and I know you did a you did a huge job in New Hampshire as well in the Green Mountain. Uh, yep, for the Tread Lightly and Quadratech Fifty for Fifty. Right. Um, we did we did a weekend up there and did two different days. One for um, the White Mountain National Forest in New Hampshire and another spot in their Maine. And then going back to, you partnered with Land Rover for some stuff as well. Um, Land Rover reached out to Tread Lightly for their track competition um, to do a Tread Lightly project. They were doing their competition literally outside my back door in Manchester, <laughs> Vermont. Right. And uh, said that they wanted to do a project if we knew anything close by. And of course, Tread Lightly reached out to me and said, Ron, do we have a project? And I said, oh, we absolutely have a project. We yeah. had a big project, and we had uh, the Land Rover Trek teams came out. We had about 45 guys working all day long, picking up trash. Wow. Um, I had a team with me going around marking campsites in the National Forest. Um, get a lot of work done in a little bit of time. Those guys are very enthusiastic. I'm hoping that uh, Tread Lightly and Land Rover have a good relationship to come. Yeah, I mean, I would say so. You guys removed 3,500 pounds worth of trash. Um, yes. You know, so, and it was funny because I saw, I actually ran into one of the Land Rovers at uh, um, our local rudders uh, that oh, that week. Yeah, because, I mean, you, you can't miss the thing. Right, it was It was orange with black yeah. lettering on it, and, you yeah. know, it's just wild. They definitely set apart. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I remember I, I, I was going to grab a picture of it, and I couldn't. I was on the way out, and it was dark. But I reached out to Scott Ammerman from Go Fox Adventures the next day and see if he knew anything that was going on. And here yeah. it was the same, 
the same uh, trail cleanup or same project that you were working on as well. Um, so I kind of want to bring it back to Ridgeback Guide Services and kind of some of the things that you guys offer to your clients when you do one of these trips or what does it really look like? So, you know, obviously I want to sign up for a trip. Does, you know, how does that go about and, you know, what's the steps I need to take? Well, we're coming out with our 2023 um, event calendar in the beginning of January. Right. Um, we're down to our last couple of rides right now for this year because everything in the Northeast shuts down in December mm-hmm. for snowmobile season. Um, so if you could do like a multi-day trip, um, <clears throat> like we did a theme trip this year called uh, the Craft Beer Run, which mm-hmm. is uh, four days in Vermont. We drive trails every day during the day for either lunch or afternoon stop. We stop at a micro or nano brewery. Okay, to, I mean, I'm, you're talking my language. <laughs> How about it? To, to see some of their great, uh, you know, craft creations. Right. And uh, do a quick sampling. We don't condone any drinking, but uh, during the day on trails. But uh, guys pick up stuff to, to enjoy around the campfire at night. Gotcha. Nice. Um, and but like a trip like that, we don't. We, so you get all the campsites, all the trail routes. Obviously, we're playing a game of follow the leader. Right. Taking you know, all these great, beautiful places. You don't have to worry about anything with timing, this, that, mm-hmm. and the other. Um, we do not provide meals just because the logistics of meals and people's dietary needs right. are so diverse yeah. that um, we, we kind of stay away from that and let everybody pick what they want to, you know, make their own food at camp. Obviously, people like to do their camp cooking, you know, get their scottle out and fire it up yep. to, to make some good stuff. And we always have great provision stops every day to beautiful country store or a farmer's type market where you can pick up local ingredients, which we always encourage. Right. Right. Ah, it sounds like a good time. What was the, now you did a main trip, um, where you checked out the B 52 and there was up by Moose Lake and some other things. Um, that was a multi-day trip too, wasn't it? Uh, yes, that is a multi-day trip. That is called planes, trains, and overland adventure. (laughs) Um, that's a great, that's a great trip because it's not really, um, hard off-roading. We actually don't even go into four-wheel drive. It's all forest road driving, dusty roads, but it's about being remote. It's about being out in the wilderness where there's a good chance to see quite a bit of wildlife. Um, but we don't guarantee wildlife sightings. Um, and we camp on water every single night. I mean, it's just absolutely beautiful. And we do some historic stops at like the Katahdin Ironworks. Uh, B-52 memorial site. Um, we go out to the ghost trains and do a uh, little short day hike out to the ghost trains to see them. Um, and then our last stop is at uh, Pittston Farms, which is a farm that's 22 miles from pavement out in the middle of nowhere, completely off grid. Um, it's a great lodge run by a great couple. Um, it's in the middle of nowhere. We camp there. They have food and uh, usually take care of us on our last day before we head back into into civilization. So that's always right. nice. Right. That sounds like a good time. I mean, so on that trip there, like you get a guy that, that uh has a Subaru, you know, Forester, he can he can do that trip, right? Or she? A- absolutely. We always encourage full size trucks, um, you know, vans, Subarus, anything like that can do that trip. Yeah. Hmm. That's cool that you have that diversity that you can reach out to, you know, uh, multiple people other than the hardcore 
overlanding crowd. But um, yeah, I w- I'm sorry. I was gonna. We were gonna do that trip, and uh, Scott and I were talking about it, and and just couldn't get it to happen. Um, but definitely one of the. Uh, you know, I'm gonna hit some trips this this spring into the summer. Um, and I I love the idea of not having to be responsible for anything other than my vehicle and driving it. I mean, so many times, like you and I go out with people, Absolutely. and we're the ones that end up laying underneath it. Now, I mean, not that I wouldn't, but I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about everybody else's rig. I can go out and enjoy. I don't have to do any planning. You don't have to pre-run anything. (laughs) I wouldn't know what to do. No, yeah, I would enjoy myself, you know? I mean, that's exactly it. I think that's the, you know, the key to all this. Mm -hmm. So that's just, um, yeah, it's really cool. And I'm looking forward to hitting some, you know, getting some content with, uh, with you, Ron, this summer and, uh, I want to hit one on some trails. Too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah we're going to do a few day trip. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, that's definitely a, a must this year. Oh, um, but so kind of going along the future plans and so where do you see overland overlanding going in the next, you know, 10, 10 years, years or something of the sort, you know, maybe even five to 10 years, you know, as we see right now, there's what's so, going to change. Yeah, there's so much changing right now, even too. Uh, that's a great question. Um, I'm not sure what's going to change, but I know one thing that's going to have to change in order for it to be sustainable is some better uh, outdoor and off-road ethics. Um, I find with my work with Tread Lightly that it's not cleaning up the trash that is the issue with trails getting shut down. It's a lot of overuse and abuse, yeah, especially yeah. in the Northeast. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, you've done some educational stuff as well for Tread Lightly. Um, but, I mean, what what did you have going on at Mid-Atlantic Overland Festival this year? Uh, Mid-Atlantic Overland Festival, we did a couple of uh, tread, tread Lightly presentations to, uh, you know, educate everybody about the tread principles and some off-road ethics and uh, get people interested in, in helping out in some of the future projects we have going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was well received, uh, you know, and Ron's being modest. He was the keynote speaker for <laughs> Mid-Atlantic Overland Festival. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that's really cool that you're taking that that uh, educational path as well. Um, you know, that's my biggest fear is that yeah. they start, tr- you know, closing down trails because. And, yeah. And we're seeing it right trying, now out yeah. west that they're trying to shut down some of the trails. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's um, I'm glad you're doing that. And of course, anything we can do. You know, please let us know. But um, yeah, that's our biggest fear. And and uh, when COVID hit, overlanding exploded in the Northeast. Right. And um, we've already lost since COVID hit, um, and the big influx of everybody coming out. We've already lost a couple trails. Yeah. Um, we're still working on getting the Dorset uh, Caves Trail open. Right. Um, I mean, that was shut down because of overuse and abuse. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's currently gated, and and we're working to get that open, and hopefully springtime it'll definitely be open. Right, right. Yeah, I I can imagine. You know, and unfortunately, I I think the problem is ignorance. Like people just don't understand or take the time to understand the proper way to do this. Like yeah. I said, I think we talked about this, but the sound was cut off. You know, for us, we were born and raised into this. Ron, right. you were. You know, uh, Scott Amberman was. Outdoors yeah, in general, Terry. Yeah. Just being outdoors and understanding basic principles of being outdoors, it's like when you walk into somebody's house, there's certain things you don't do. Right. You don't throw your feet up on their coffee table. Um, you, you lift the toilet seat up. The you, lift, you lift a goddamn toilet seat up when you yeah. pee. You flush when you're done. Right. 
you know, and, and I think a lot of people out when they're out overlanding, it's, you know, they don't understand about taking care of the trails. You know, right. they don't understand about staying on the trails. So there's, you know, a law or something laying across the road. And they there's can't campsites clear. for a reason. It doesn't mean that's just, absolutely you know, it. Set up anywhere. Right. Or, you know, making sure that if you have a fire that that's out, that there's not burning ambers in there. Right. Um, you know, all that stuff is key, you know, using, using tree savers and I mean, the list goes on and on and on, but I mean, the fact that you're bringing this, you know, I, I was, it, it made me happy to see you do this at Mid-Atlantic Overland Festival because there was a lot of people there that I talked to that were just exploring the option of doing it. I mean, they weren't actually into it yet, so they're getting this information right up front. Yeah, the quicker we can get them uh, in the beginning, the easier it is. You know, if you can educate somebody from the beginning before they get bad habits, right? It's it's a lot easier to uh, you know keep those bad those good habits going, and maybe they can even push those good habits onto other people. Yeah, I, no, I agree fully. Really do. So. Yeah, I, I I do really enjoy my clients coming out with us because, um, you know, a lot of them are very good in this, that, and the other, and people always say, "Well, you, you don't ever have any bad apples," and I'm like. Somebody who's going to pay for a guide to get a good experience is usually not somebody who's going to be right. um, a bad apple, right. per se. And if they do do something, you know, at, at camp, um, I, you know, I'm trying to think of, of something foolish. Well, actually, it, it's happened before. Guys have been sitting there the first night at camp and tossed their aluminum can into the fire. Right. Right. Sure. Um, thinking it's going to burn up, which it does. But every time you put aluminum in the fire and it's burning up, it's literally contaminating the, the ground even more. Right. And a lot of those things aren't thought about. Right. And uh, once you start explaining it to people, they grab it, they catch on. Yep. You know, next time they're at a fire and one of their buddies throws a cannon, they're going to, you know, think of that and maybe tell them not to do that kind of thing. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely a ripple effect to it. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So let's cut to the, the chase here. What are your two trail rigs that you have? <laughs> um let's start with my 2012 jku uh we call it the goat dozer um people <laughs> ask me why why i call that because i'm like it goes over the top of everything it really does <laughs> yeah. i mean it's a jku on 37s with, right uh electronic lockers front and rear 456 gears yeah um it's a it's a good truck I mean, it's a great guide truck. Right. Um, I love that it has huge mirrors in it, you know. Right. And the fact that when I'm guiding people, I can watch the mirrors and watch them. Yep. And if I miss the line in front of me, it's not a big deal. It's a slight adjustment with the 37s and right. up yeah. and over you go. And that's something new this year, right? Now, last year you were on 35s on that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you think we the 30? 37s made a huge difference. The difference between the 35s and 37s was, uh, was that a game changer? Um, it was a game changer and I really liked it. Um, it very much upset my wife. But, uh, <laughs> well, she writes the checks, right? Uh, well, it depends on who you talk to. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, when I went and got, uh, I went to 37s because I had tweaked the 30 I had in the front. Right. Um, the 30 axle had, yep. a, had a slight bend in it. So I said, well, it's time for a 44. We right. put a J844 in it. I know and, all about uh, that. Then, then we went to, we decided we were going to put limited slip lockers in it, like my Land Rover has, but it wouldn't fit in the front. The J8 only took two different lockers. So we right. went with an electronic locker. Right. Um, but she was literally like, 
when it came back, it was on 37s, and that's the first thing she did. She walked right up and pointed at it, and she said, that says 37s on those tires. I knew you were going to go bigger. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's the, listen. The more you play with it, the bigger it yeah, gets. Yeah, bigger it gets. You're a man. I mean, what else are we supposed to do? So. Right, I sat right. here a year and a half ago saying I'd never put 35s. There was no need for it. Now I'm talking <laughs> about 37s. Yeah. You know, so. Right. Um, yeah. but no, I think, I think it was a smart thing to do as, as being the, you know, you're, you're responsible for a lot of people. So you've got to have something that's just optimal for a trail. You yeah, know, that is, that is absolutely correct. People do ask me, why do you, why is the Jeep so big? You, you know, you don't really need that. And I don't really need that for overlanding. Right. But if I have somebody behind me, say in a Tundra or something else that's, you know, he's dead in the water or there's something going on where I need to yank him. Yep. Um, the truck's got to be able to do it. Um, yep. The JKU was built that way. Yep. Um, you know, I have like a 12,005 winch in the front of it, you know, mm-hmm. complete overkill, but um, it gets the job done when it has to get the job done. Yeah. 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 I mean, I've seen it and it's, it's, uh, I think my favorite part is I've, I mean, you want to talk about pinstriping? <laughs> Man, <laughs> it just has so it, many good trail stories on it. Um, yeah, people ask me, they're like, Oh, do you take that truck out? I said, I usually tell them it's a show and shine truck and they <laughs> walk off and they look at it and they start looking at me and I'm like, well, it was until I got in a fight with, the, with a, with a pack of bobcats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, I love that. I get a kick out of when you see a, a real trail rig, you know, and there's not a whole lot of shine left on them, but no, I hear you. I think that was a smart thing to do to go to 37s and definitely the lockers in it. I am not a huge locker fan, um, but I mean, it, it, there is nothing that's better for maximum traction than, than lockers. It's true. You know, so yeah, I can attest. And I, I, the only reason I'm not a locker fan is because I'm cheap as hell. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was a little bit of a tough bullet to bite, but uh, you know, some of the great companies that partner with me, like Quadratech and uh, Mainline Overland, they did a great job in, yeah. in getting, it, getting it done and getting it taken care of for me. Yeah. And I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, I mean it's 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 done you great. And in the back, you have a kitchen. You you built a oh, kitchen yeah, for I have a full it. Overland build in the back. Yep. Um, everything I need to live out of that truck for days and days on end. Yeah, it's pretty cool because that's. So I was not huge on the kitchen thing until I went up to MAOF and I started walking yeah. around and you know I think the the JK the JKU hooked me. I was like, oh, this is I'm I'm definitely putting the kitchen in. I mean, Scott always had a nice setup wow. in the back of his, but when you start looking at all the other stuff and how creative you can get with them to like suit your own needs, yeah, hell yeah, I'm looking so, at it. Yeah, yep, same. Something. Yep, nope, absolutely. So, what's the other yeah. ride you got, Ron? Uh, my other ride is a 2002 Land Rover Discovery Two Kalahari Edition. Mm. Okay. Um, the Kalahari edition is a special edition every other year. So 2002, they did the Kalahari edition. They only did 500 of them. Right. Um, the Land Rover I have is a yellow one. It is one of 150 in that color. Wow. So it's pretty rare. Right. Um, it's kind of iconic looking. It brings everybody when they see it back to the whole camel trophy style. Yep. Yep. Of it. Yep. Um, I really enjoy that truck uh, by far very comfortable to drive. Um, it is a overweighted pig and underpowered, but <laughs> I absolutely love it and enjoy yep. it much better than the Jeep. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely a whole, I mean, it's a different animal. I don't have a whole lot of experience, a little bit with Land Rovers, yeah. but, uh, but I dig them. I mean, there's some slick engineering with them too. Yeah. So 
um, but that's cool. And and do you are you still using that, or do you use that when you're taking people out? Um, I am, and um, I have very much so. I uh, haven't seen it much this summer because in the beginning of April, or actually the end of March, I took it out west for 22 days on the road. Oh wow! And unfortunately, she took a couple hot suppers on the case because it has a leak and I right. didn't get underneath it to fill it enough time when we're going across country for eight, nine hours at a time each yeah. day. So uh, yeah. my lock to low is hit or miss right now. It's about 50% of the time. So right. I haven't been taking it out too much with clients just for the simple fact that if I can't get it in the low and I need it. Right. Right. Good. Is that, so is that what they call triple locked? Yeah. Okay. So the T case will lock. You can lock the T case up on it. It's either high low or locked high low. Right. And it's fifty percent up front, fifty percent in the rear. And then uh, I have limited zip lockers in there that are uh, Ashcroft ATVs. It's like a helix, like a two track. Right, and, right, uh, right. That works really, really yeah, well. That's the way to go. They I work. just yeah. I shredded mine. I mean, ten thousand miles, and the clutches are they're yeah. they're laying in the bottom of. The, I love mine. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. So I'm I'm waiting to inherit that back. I know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, the, the, the rovers are so cool and there's so much history with them yeah. and they were, I mean, they don't, when you look at them, you don't really, I mean, I guess I'm sure they're out there, but you don't see rovers on 37s and everybody assumes they're not capable. Right. They're crazy capable. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, the guys at MAO, uh, Mid-Atlantic Overland, uh, they they run them. I mean, they had one up at uh, the St. Patty's ride, I think, yeah. that I was looking at. That was they have a pretty cool red build. Yeah, that they're they're sh- at yeah, the, the, down in Westchester. Yeah, yeah, the classic that they brought up to St. Patty's Day is a is a beautiful truck. Oh, um, if I was to own another Land Rover, that's what I would that's what I would want. Yeah, it's gorgeous, it really is. So, but yeah, so yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I'm out of questions, Ron. Is there anything else that you want to add to our listeners, or Billy? Do you have anything? I don't have anything. Right. Well, I can, I can, uh, you know, and I'm just going to throw this out there. Um, you know, I, from me to our listeners, and we always said we would be honest. I have a ton of respect for you, Ron, for what you do. Um, I don't know that I've ever met anybody that does this like you do it. Um, and I think that's the point that we wanted to have you on tonight so yeah. that we could get our listeners a better understanding of that. So Anybody that's out there, you know, I, I highly recommend that if you want to do some overlanding in the Northeast and take it from a guy that's tried to do it in his own. I've done the research. I've gotten the maps out. I've yeah. downloaded them from, you know, you can download everything. It doesn't work. You have I think to that's have one of the biggest things that's stopping me from doing these things is like, it's a lot of work to. Oh, I spend hours. I mean, yeah. when I say hours, I'm talking into the 20s, 30s, 40s just to plan one trip. And that was with a quote-unquote guide service giving right. me information. So the fact that I can pull up to, to rendezvous and basically gas up my vehicle and then follow somebody and know that I'm, I'm safe, I'm in good hands, yeah. you know, um, is, is just key to boot. The other part is, like I said, I, I, when I was doing it, it was so hard to meet people. Um, but to have that in already, absolutely. Yeah. So I guess... To wrap this up is where can we find Ridgeback Guide Services? You know, do you guys have a website, email? Um, we have website. Um, on the website is uh, email subscription. Yep. Um, it's RidgebackGuideService LLC dot com. 
Um, we're also on Facebook and Instagram. And you also, we have some backlinks from other couple of uh, websites that we're on with some of our partners. Okay. Um, yeah, we're there. You can Google us. Yep, I, I did. Right up. Comes right up. So I think that's the easiest. The way. last and the last thing that I'm going to leave it with, and this is my favorite part about the company. Where did the name come from? Um, I am a Rhodesian Ridgeback owner. Um, they are absolutely great dogs. Um, beautiful, sleek dogs that are lion hunters. Weigh about 100 pounds, about 32 inches at the shoulder. Yep. Um, currently, our mascot is Tiberius. Um, he's nine years old. Um, he's a great dog. I don't think I'd own another. Uh, breed. Now um, I here on out. Yeah, I agree. I I had the luxury of meeting Tiberius this this summer, and he was an awesome dog. He was like the pack leader. <laughs> and I was saying, you know, we, last week when we had no audio, the right. coolest thing for me at Mid Atlantic was, was like all, all the dog people, yeah. but none of us like no one leashed their dogs, and everybody's dog was really cool, you right. know. But but T- Tiberius was like, you know, he was the, like his dad. He was the, the he was the, he was yeah he was offering the guide services yeah. up there, so That's guide cool. service, but. Absolutely. Ron, thanks so much for having, you know, for, for coming on the show and, and, uh, you know, we look forward to doing some more stuff with you this upcoming year and, uh, we'll, we'll see you out in the trail. Yeah. Thank you very much guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, anybody who's looking for any guide service, get a hold of me. Absolutely. We 100% endorse that. Like, I don't think you could, you're not going to get anybody else that's better at it. And we're going to put all your contact information in the show notes so everybody out there can get. Well, we're not. Terry is. Terry will. Right. Well, thank you. I I appreciate (laughs) that, guys. Absolutely. Have a good night, Ron. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Yeah, I think, you know, man, you you can't beat something like that. No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even like when we've started to look at trying to do the, there's a couple trails that span from up into New York all the way down to like West Virginia, Virginia. Um, and we've even talked about doing those. Yeah. And that's like a planned out route of yeah. like where to stop and yeah. everything. And we just still haven't gotten around to it. No. But having a service that tells you, I, I'm assuming basically what you need to bring the whole. Oh, he does. You know, right. absolutely. absolutely. And I know, I know through Neil and, yeah. and Jason. So he gives you tips, tricks, right. what you need to pack, everything. How that much you fuel you need. Exactly. It's right down to nuts and bolts. And, and I mean, that is just, that's huge. And right. like for guys like us who are always doing that for other people, not even near the same level that Ron's no. doing it. I mean, we, we lead people around a park. Yeah. We're not guides. We're not guides. We're far from it. Yeah. So, but, but I mean, for, to, to have that service. And like I said, I, I'm looking forward to taking some of our Patreon money this summer and going and and getting some content and, and educating people a little more on what he does, because I personally think that this is where we need to head with overlanding. Right. People going out and, and, you know, just, just mauling the side yeah. the countryside does not work no you know you really need and that's a lot of the issues that they're facing out west is that people are just going out and they're not staying to the trails no i know and i know that i've you know i've seen videos and i've seen you know topographical maps of the trails that are up north and how long they are you can go two three days without even setting foot in on a, right right a paved road right so 
Now, I, I, I think, you know, it's just the way to go, and I think it's definitely the way we need to head. So. Absolutely. Hey, speaking of where we can, where, you know, where can we be found? So I want everybody to head over to Google, and you can Google us. <laughs> um, but we have a Facebook page, Instagram, YouTube. Right now, Terry is getting highlighted on our YouTube channel, so make sure you head over there, like, and subscribe. And if you would like to support the podcast and, you know, help us get to some of these events out like the main uh, main Mid Atlantic Mid Atlantic Overland, Overland Festival, Festival, right, right, um, or also some of the other events and get more content for you guys. Head over to our Patreon page. Yeah, um, you can support us in any monetary donations. Yeah. Um, also, Don puts Doctor Don puts up all of his notes up there. Yep. Yeah. Um. So yeah, make sure you sub- like and subscribe, follow, do the whole nine. Pay or shit. And by the way, Terry, you're not getting the keys back. <laughs> Fuck that. This is my yeah. ride now. <laughs> Uh, I got this. I got this shit figured out. Yep. Uh, Just got to remember to hit the mute button or the unmute button. Uh, yeah, I don't know what happened. Uh, I think I was moving around pages on my yeah. computer, which was like rule number one. Terry's like close everything out. And close I'm like, everything. I'm like Terry, don't know shit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do all kinds of stuff. Hell yeah. You know, fucking. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, Terry was right. Whatever. <laughs> Last time you're hearing no, that, Terry. Don't tell that. Don't tell him that. <laughs> Uh, maybe he's watching. Yeah. Knows. Anyway, if you are Terry, we miss you. And uh, to everybody else out there, we can't wait to see you all again. And thanks for joining in tonight. Have a good night. Big deep wave to you. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight and putting up with our shit. So big Jeep wave to everybody out there from Dr. Don, Break It Billy, Jeep and Terry out at SEMA, and everybody else. Have a good night.